All right. If if we lost that session, um, Ernest, uh, are you there? Can can you hear me? If we lost that session, I can still do it again. We record it because this will be put out there just for formalities. So uh, that's fine. Uh, okay. So Ernest um, is coming on again. So friends, I want to introduce Ernest to you. Um, Ernest Paul is his full name. He is a prisoner of the Lord Jesus, called to serve as an apostle. He works in the Justice Department of Heaven's government to implement solutions for future peace and justice. He has authored 17 books and he heads the leadership team of Centerport out of Abuja in Nigeria and oversees the operations of the Council of Seers and Prophetic People, COSAPP, an intelligent network of kingdom agents spread across vast geography. Also, a thought leader, NS has functioned in ministry for over 30 years in different capacities and worked towards the transformation of global spheres, creation of future worlds and aligning nations to original intent and architecture through human capital development. He lives in Abuja, he's married to Robin, and he has children also, I think two or three of them. God bless you. Welcome my dear friend, dating way back 2003. Ernest, over to you, sir. Let me see if Ernest is on. I saw him reconnecting. Hello, Ernest. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, yes, 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 you are here. Yeah. You are in Ghana, you are in Suriname, you are in Alabama, you are in LA, you are in Lagos, you are in Abuja, you are in Liberia. Come on, over to you, sir. Okay, thank you. I hope uh, uh, it works this time. Uh, I'm excited to be on this platform and uh, excited about uh, uh, the many people who are here. Uh, just get on the two things straight. Uh, I have two children. Uh, uh, first, Erita, who is um, 17. Uh, she is going to uh, university uh, in a few, a few weeks. And um, John is uh, 14. And um, we function out of Abuja. Uh, I wonder if uh, listening to the introduction, uh, anybody thinks uh, it sounds outlandish. Part of what I've done is try to define myself uh, based on uh, the reality of things. We live uh, in an era where uh, what Jesus came to do about 2000 years ago has been brought to its climax. It, uh, 2000 years ago, Jesus came from heaven into the earth and started something on the face of the earth that we now call the church, or we, we, we call the ecclesia, or we, we, we refer to as the, the beginning of the kingdom of God. Uh, it is clear to us that what Jesus brought was not a religion. Jesus did not intend what he brought to become a religion, but it dovetailed into a religion. And part of what he's been doing all of these years is extricate you know, us from that dimension of falsehood and that's dimension that is low, that is counterfeit, that does not fully define the life that he brings. What he brought was a civilization, what he brought was a life. But um, religion cut up at some point. I'm not going to go into the history uh, of all of that. Uh, but uh, part of what the Lord is doing right now is seeking for us to recover reality, to see things the way that he sees them. 
when God looks from heaven right now, when he looks at his children, when he looks at the earth, when he looks at believers, what does he see? How does he see? How does he define things? There was a man uh, 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 leading to the birth of, of, of Jesus Christ, or so the emergence of Jesus Christ, a John the Baptist who emerged on the scene, as it were, out of nowhere. For about 400 years uh, since the last prophet crooned and spoke the word of the Lord, there was no majestic proclamation of us says the Lord in all of Israel. Nobody had, you know, that clear sense of, of announcement that came from God, God speaking into the earth, God directing the earth by his will, God pushing the affairs of men by the things that came out of him. There was silence. It was during that period of silence that we had the forsake order, the, the Sadducees, the scribes, and all of those religious things like pop up, you know, in the landscape. You don't see any of those in, in, in Moses. You don't see scribes in, in the book of Deuteronomy. Or, or, or Pharisees or Sadducees. You don't see them in the book of Numbers. You don't see them in the book of Genesis or Exodus. You don't see any of those things. But along the line, when Jesus was born and when the, the, the satellite is upon that era, when Jesus came into the earth, we suddenly see these people. Where did they come from? They sprung up in that gap, you know, when, when there was no announcement from God. Whenever there's no touch, says the Lord. Whenever heaven is not engaging the earth. Whenever a flow of life is not living that realm and entry into this realm is the kind of thing that happens. Religion springs forth. And so religion came, you know, and uh, 400 years later, when John the Baptist pops on the scene, he breaks that, that darkness. He breaks that, that, that order that's characterized by religion. He, he comes with a, with, with, with a fresh sense of announcement. He begins to, 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 to like do the work of God. And people, the Pharisees, they didn't understand who he was. They didn't understand his operations. Of course, historically, they knew who his father was. They knew his origin. They knew there was, this was a son of Zechariah, the man who was the priest who was struck down, you know, uh, when uh, he went to the temple and his wife supernaturally conceived at old age and all that kind of stuff. They knew the story, but they didn't know who he was indeed. So they sent men to go ask him, who are you? You confuse us. You, 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 you have so much power. You remind us of Elijah. You remind us of a Christ. What are you? Are, are you Elias? He says, no, I'm not he. Are thou the Christ? He says, no, I'm not the Christ. Like, are you that prophet? He says, I'm not that. Who are you? Tell us who, who you are, that we may go and tell those who sent us, you know, that this is exactly uh, who you are. And then this is what John the Baptist says. He could have said that I am John Ben Zachariah, and that would have been a fact, and that would have settled, you know, the, 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 the inquiry in the hearts of those who ask him. But that's not what he does. He goes into the spirit. He looks in the mind of God. He defines himself directly the way that God defines him. God is, when God looks at John, God doesn't just see a man who came through the, the lineage of Zechariah. The way that the, the, the Bible describes it in the book of, in the gospel of John, he says this. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came to be a witness of the light. It was not the light, but it came to be a witness of a light that all men through him might believe. Now, this is God's testimony concerning John. He was sent from God. If he was sent from God, it implies to me that he was once with God, or he was in a divine realm, and God released him into the earth. Now, this is not this is not truth. This is not fact. This is truth. So God wants us to define things not according to the fact of things, but according to truth. And as we move towards the end, as we migrate towards the, 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 the place we call the finish, things are going to come into greater harmony with reality. Things are going to come into greater harmony with the truth. The lies that this world that Babylon has imposed are going to be peeled off. And we're not, it's not just going to be our uh, uh, words, it's not just going to be uh, a verbose or uh, a vocabulary, how we explain, express things or the, the, the way we speak words. No, it's going to be the reality of how life is. 
And so I'm excited to live in a time like this. I'm excited that we're in a time like this when heaven is investing in the earth and doing a whole lot of things. I trust that this evening, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share one or two meditations, you know, uh, 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 with you. I'm, 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 I'm trusting God for the supply of the spirit so that it will not just be words. Um, uh, like Mark said, when he was introducing me, I've been in the ministry for 30 some years right now. I've gone through like, like different denominations. I've been in a prayer movement and the prophetic movement and the apostolic uh, movement and the word of faith and all of that. And after a while, when you go have a history like mine, you get tired after a while and you start seeking for reality. I've come to a place where I am tired of religion. I am tired of just words. I'm tired of that which has no power. I, for, for, for a long time, for example, um, I remember uh, when the Lord began to uh, deal with me in a very like massive way, began to put grace upon my life. And I'll go somewhere and I'll teach the word. And then they'll say, you're, oh, you're, you're such a teacher of the word. You're so prolific as a teacher. And then I'll go elsewhere and perhaps you'll be in a move of a spirit and prophetic things. And I'll speak for the word of a lot to people. And they'll go like, oh, you're, you're such a prophet. And then in some places they say, you're an apostle. And in some places they say, you're a pastor. And then I ask the Lord one day, people think I'm everything. But nobody actually said I'm an evangelist. Nobody, not one person ever said that. I think it, it didn't show at all. So people actually think I'm everything. What am I? What do you say of me? What is my calling? What is my office? And for a long time, the Lord wouldn't say anything to me. And then um, in time, he made me to understand that part of the reason why he wasn't saying anything, why he wasn't talking to me, was because he didn't want me to degrade the currency. He didn't want me to, uh, for example, if he said that uh, uh, I'm a prophet, immediately the picture of a prophet that's in my mind, maybe a rejoiner, maybe a Bob Jones, uh, maybe a Steve Schultz. Or or, or, or or Kim Clement or somebody, you know, I, I'll just begin to morph my life, you know, to, to my great, you know, my, my actions, my processes, to want to resemble that. He said, and that's the reason why I don't want you to copy anything in the natural. I want you to be what results from my, my experience with you, how I encounter you. I want you to know me. And I want you to live a life that is legitimate, that is authentic, that is you knowing me. For example, we do know that a lot of the names of God that we call God, like um, the Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Nisi, and all those things, were not names that God proclaimed over himself out of heaven. They were names that came out of people's encounter with God. When people saw God, they met God. Something within their, 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 their spirit came into a heightened sense of discernment. And they discerned the, the nature of God that they just saw. And then they appropriated to him, like uh, 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 they, they allocated to him appropriate nomenclature to define what they saw. So they say, you are Jehovah Jireh, or, or you are God who supplies need. You are God who is ever there. You are God who is present. They, that came out of people's experiences. Today, we call God that, but those were people's encounter with God. So God said, so what name are you going to call me based on the encounter in your life, based on the way that you engage me, based on the way that I come to you? What will you become? I don't want you mimicking, aping, or just going into that zone of religion. I want you to be authentic. I want uh, uh, your work with me to be authentic. And so in the last uh, 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 many, many years, I've come to a place where if there's anything I really want is authentic. I don't want the form. I don't want religion. I hate with the passion the thing called religion. And uh, because of time, I may not go into my story, but maybe another time I may tell you the reason why I hate religion so much. But for today, um, I, I, want, I want to think, uh, talk about one or two things you know, in relation to the kingdom, uh, because we live uh, in very... Uh, uh, very dramatic times. We live in, 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 in the midst of uh, the changing global context. We live in a time when the world that we're born into no longer exists. Uh, right before our faces, a new world is roaring into being. 
uh, were in that uh, interregnum between the death of one age and the birth of another age. Uh, because um, in the history of the earth, uh, the world has been has been partitioned, has been stratified, have been uh, have been uh, 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 broken down, sectored into ages. Like the Bible says, from age to age, God is the same. Uh, Paul speaks in his in his epistles concerning the ages to come. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His kindness, you know, in His grace towards us who believe. He speaks of the ages to come. So what we're going to call the end of the world in reality would not be the end of the world. It would be the end of this mortal age and the beginning of the age of right of, of righteousness. It would be the beginning of another age. So one age is always ending and another age is, is, is coming. We live our lives like that in endings and beginnings. We wake up to new shapes, new forms, new sounds, new ideologies, new philosophies, new, new things are always coming. And each time the new comes, there's usually an overlap between the new and the old. The, 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 the old does not end, you know, in like rapid succession, you know, and, and then the new does not just jump in abruptly. There's usually that, that, that overlap time, uh, overlap gap, like the, uh, the, the, the concentric circles of the Olympic, you know, or, or in, in, in mathematics, we call it like maybe like a Venn diagram in set theory, okay, where two circles overlap at some point. At that overlap period, you have like, the epic dynamic of the old struggling to remain and then of the new striving to be birthed. That period that uh, I describe as the overlap period is actually usually characterized by, by, by ambiguity, by loss of definition, by confusion, by error, by wild fanaticism, by, 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 by all sorts of stuff. We're living in that kind of era right now. The world is witnessing the, 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 the death throes of an age that is passing away. And then the and then the the, the the majestic emergence of another age that is coming. And history is happening in our lifetime in the world. We live in a time when the world is radically changing. Uh, let me not refer to the issues or the situations in the last few days. You know, uh, uh, relating to, uh, 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 the 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 Afghanistan and uh, the, the the movement away. You know, from Afghanistan, you know, of the American troops. I actually was listening to a commentary yesterday, and somebody said that the Chinese, the the the, the Koreans, and uh, the Russians actually say that the world has officially checked into that post-American world order. That that order that that, that was generated in 1945. You know, after the after the, the Second World War, when. America emerged as a superpower of the darling, you know, of the nations and began to control things and began to shape ideology and philosophies and thoughts and all of those things. They're saying that officially we've come to the end of that era and another era is springing forth. So whether how far this is going to go, uh, we don't really know, but um, we, we can project and we can tell also by from Bible prophecies what the world might look like. But it is clear that we live in, in times when the former patterns of life, you know, have been irrevocably altered. The good old days are gone. They are not coming back. But instead of waiting for those days to come, we're supposed to be launching forward to new kind of days that are coming. Now, I'm interested in the new kind of days that are coming because actually, uh, in spite of what the world looks like, in spite of what things look like, if you look in the natural, it seems as if Satan is having a field day. It seems as if the, 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 the dark forces are prevailing. It seems as if the, 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 the left is winning. It seems as if unrighteousness is, is, has, has gained a, a greater foothold and has the upper right arm and is winning. It looks as if the, 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 the church is being molested. It looks as if the, the, the battle between good and evil is tilting in the direction of evil. And then good is not prevailing. 
My wife and I were having a conversation yesterday. I think we're driving in a car. And then she said, why does this feel as if God is so far, you know, from, 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 from the human race? And she's not talking in terms, she wasn't referring to uh, maybe the, 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 the salvation of God, the intervention of God. She was talking about that sense of his breath, that sense of his nearness, that, 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 that sense of, that the sense we felt in our soul when we got saved some 20 years ago, some 30 years ago, when, when we got saved, that, that, that Christian, that Christian soul, that those emotions, those feelings. So why don't we feel those way anymore? Why don't we, why don't we, why aren't we in touch with those, those pure elements of the faith anymore? Why does it look as if God is far removed from this universe? Why does it look as if he's no longer here or he's no longer interested in what is going on here? And so in spite of what it looks like, we do know something that uh, when the kingdom of God is born or is kickstarted on the face of the earth, the Bible tells us that of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Another scripture, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Now, like the first one that says, of, his, of the increase, um, it's not just of his government and peace, but of the increase of that government. It means that once the government starts to increase, once the kingdom starts to increase, it is not going to stop. There will be no, there don't be any time when the kingdom will, will pause and be unable to climb up to a new place. There won't be any time in history when the kingdom will actually start to reverse backwards and then will be in a worse shape, you know, than we've ever been. Some way or the other, every day that 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 that, that, that comes, every 24 hour that passes, when we wake up, the kingdom will be in a stronger place, in a better place. If we can't see it, it's because we can't see it. But as far as God is concerned, there is more of the kingdom on the face of the earth right now than there has ever been at any time. But we want to connect ourselves to the reality of that. We want to want to experience that. We don't just want to say that because the word of God says that. I want to know within myself that the kingdom of God is growing within me. I want to know within myself that there's more of the kingdom inside of me. And of course, the kingdom like we know is not an external thing. The Jesus said the kingdom does not come by, by observation. Nor do men say, look, here's a kingdom or look, there is a kingdom. The kingdom of God eventually will be a whole realm that is controlled by God. And that one will be the whole world because the kingdom of God will be over the whole world. But in the meantime, the starting of the kingdom is not, first of all, an outward thing. It's, first of all, the government, the operation, the, 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 the rule of God, the influence of God in a particular sphere, the first sphere, our lives. Okay, so um, let me take us back uh, to... Uh, the book of Genesis, because I'd like to lay some foundation before we go further in the thoughts that I share. What is my concern this evening? Um, I'm concerned with us coming into proper alignment with the gospel of the kingdom. I'm concerned with us experiencing really, livingly, the movement into the kingdom rather than just speaking words in a certain way. I've spoken words in the past, I've spoken grammar in the time. I mean, in the past, there's a time when we're just people who had words, who had language. I mean, we, we, it was as if we were masturbating on our language. You, we, when we spoke this word, we, we, the, the words gave us some sense of ecstasy. It gave us a feeling of being in something, but in reality, you know, nothing was moving. We're still the same old people. We still have the same nasty habits deep in our car. They are still, competitions, you're still hitting pride and we're sitting with dealing with things and all of those things. I got tired of that. And I wanted the kingdom of God, not first of all, to come into the seven mountains or into the spheres or into the culture around us. We want that. But first of all, let the kingdom conquer me. 
Let the kingdom take hold of every space within me. Let every square inch within my soul, let everything within my soul be totally governed by God. When you touch my emotions, when you touch my imagination, when you touch my motive, when you touch my understanding, let everything scream that a king reigns over there. Let everything, you know, res respond to, to, to God. Let everything be, 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 be a witness of the fact that there's a king in heaven that rules over my life. If the kingdom does not, does not take over my inward part, if my inner universe is not conquered by the kingdom, if the testimony of God is not built within me, then I would have wasted my time. I would have just done religion. I would have just done one of those things that people have done in the past. And so I'm concerned with that, with that inner man because I think that God is concerned with the inner man also. So what does God really want? What is he really looking for on the face of the earth? What does he want? Does he want a, a, a prosperous nation where there's uh, things are working well? and uh, there's some semblance of good, you know, and all of that. Is that would, would that please him? If, 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 if the, the mountains of education, you know, uh, 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 begin to teach wisdom and then the, 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 the entertainment is no longer corrupt and education, you know, uh, 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 begins to be captured in a certain way and our judicial systems begin to work. Would that please God? What does God really want? I know what, I have an idea of what he wants because he's shown us in the scripture. And so we're going to look at, at that, you know, from the Bible. So if you will, uh, you can turn with me uh, to the book of John chapter one. Uh, in John chapter one, uh, I'd like to share a, a, a few thoughts. Father, thank you because you're already here and um, we can feel your presence. I just ask for greater clarity in my ability to communicate your thoughts to these precious people so that our lives will be blessed. I don't just want words, oh God, this evening. I know that most of people sitting on this platform already have some form of revelation, have some form of understanding. Uh, are people who have already taken a journey with you and migrated a great distance you know, with you. And so Father, we don't want to be excited by just words. I want your power to touch the hearts of everybody. I want your power to, 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 to transmit importation to every spirit. You know us where we are in our Christian evolution. You know us in, wherever we are in our journey. You understand. You know the things that we need. You know that the, the powers, the divine energies that should come to us to cause transformation. You know how to unhook un, un, un us from the, from the places where we've been stuck in our journey. We want to find again the path of life. We want to ascend by the degrees of the spirit. We want to come to new places with you. We want to experience livingly heaven touching us and heaven flowing right out of us. So Father, whatever we do today, whatever we say, however I say it, my prayer today is that you will touch one man, touch one woman, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, but I could that which, which, which causes the word of God to be obscure, let it be taken away. I take authority over deaf and dumb spirits right now. I ask, oh God, that there will be the entrance of the word that gives light, that imparts understanding in the name of Jesus. Amen. So thank you, Father, because you're speaking to us already in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so um, the Bible says in the book of John, chapter 1, uh, that in the beginning, or was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in darkness, and darkness has not comprehended it. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. In the beginning 
Now, when Moses, when John speaks about the beginning in the scripture, it is clear he's referring to a beginning different than the one Moses spoke about in Genesis chapter one. The way Genesis chapter one starts is like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in verse two, and the earth became without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. But John here refers to another beginning. It says, in the beginning was the word. Of course, we know that when God, uh, uh, permit me to use this word, this uh, phrase for lack of better uh, way to express it. When God is in being, or when God is conscious of being in existence, and of course that predates time, that predates creation, that predates anything. When God is conscious of being God, of being in existence, if there's anything like this, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure there's ever a time when God was never conscious of being in existence. God always is, and we can't understand how he is. Of course, we know that God is an uncreated essence, the spirit of eternity, who, 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 who exists by giving existence to himself and then lives by the life that he gives to himself. I don't understand how that works, but we know that once upon a time, and we can't even say once upon a time because there was no time. From the first of firstness, God is. And when God is in being, and when God is conscious of being in being, that was not when God began to create. The act of creation, they come later. As a matter of fact, I'm told that book of Genesis chapter one, verse one, the reads like this, in the beginning, God is. And then afterwards, God created the heavens and the earth. Like God, there's a sense of a pause between the existence of God, and then God creating the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, the, in, in Pauline revelations, we actually see three frames, you know, of that he refers to, you know, uh, in the scripture. There was a time before creation, for example, we're told that Jesus Christ, that the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And then uh, in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're told that he, he called us, he separated us, and he gave us grace before time began. So before time began, before the world was, before the foundation of the world. Don't speak about an era that we do not, that the scripture does not effectively capture, but there are references to that era. So before creation, there was this undefinable epoch that nobody knows how long they, they, they did. As a matter of fact, we're not even talking about eternity because eternity is a created reality. Eternity was created by God. When God is, there was no, there was no time there was no eternity, there was no darkness, there was no light, there was no where, you can say everyone was dark because there was nowhere to be dark. And you can't even say dark because dark did not exist, like black did not exist. There was just nothing. And you can't even say there was nothing because for there to be nothing, there has to be something. Otherwise, nothing does not make sense. Nothing owes the idea of, of his existence to the presence of something. So there was no nothing. So we can't even say there was nothing. So you have to say there was no nothing, you know, but there was God, there is God. So in that era, when God subsisted in the abstract solitariness of himself, when God could not step out of himself because there was nowhere to step out into, when the, 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 the furthest reaches you know, of the perimeters of reality and, and relativity was all of God, when God is, God was not all in all, God was all and all, and God was the only reality. When God is, God existed in the blessed trinity, like we say, God existed in, 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 in harmony, in union, in organic union with the, with the word and with the spirit. So in the beginning was the word, but as a first step out of himself, out of that abstract solitariness, out of that mysticism of his being was the protruding of the, the, the creation immediately from himself of 
of an artificial globe, I call that, called the globe of eternity. There, God introduces himself the first time. When God enters into the globe of eternity, from thence you become knowable to created intellect. And apart from this nature, this eternity, or this globe of eternity, God is as nothing. There's no way to there's no way to capture him. There's no way to see him because first of all, God is spirit. And then God is God is God is too large. God is infinite, you know, in, in, in his capacity. And then he's a God that hides himself. And then he 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 it's just unknowable, you know, without the globe of eternity. So God steps into the globe of eternity, and then which is the primal globe, which is the 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 the, 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 the eternal antitype, you know, of things, you know, created. And out of the globe of eternity, God creates the heavens and the earth. Now, very very interesting. Now, the heavens and the earth, like we know, are two planets. Uh, uh, not many people think of heaven as a planet, but heaven is actually a planet. It's a, it's a massive planet. And just like the earth, I, I, I choose to look at them as like twin planets. The only difference between the heavens and the earth is that the heaven is a spiritual planet. When I say spiritual planet, I mean the, the, the constitution is spirit matter. The materiality of the heaven is spirit. So for example, there's a, the, the, the river of the water of life or the water of the river of life. There's water, but it's definitely not H2O. You know, there is just there's, 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 there's vegetation. There's like trees. The Bible speaks about the tree of life. You know, there's in the midst of a paradise on the inner side of the river. You know, but if you take the leaves of that, of that, of that, of the, of the, of the tree of life, it's not going to have like chlorophyll and all of this earthly metals. It's going to be some spirit materiality. So the rocks in heaven and all this is a spirit world. Why? Because the heavens, even the heavens, belong to God. But the earth he has given to the sons of men, God the Spirit, and chose to domicile himself in heaven. The Bible tells us, the scripture says that the heavens is his throne. No, the Bible doesn't say that his home is heaven. God never refers to heaven as his home. Of course, we know that up till now we serve a homeless God. We serve a God who don't have a home, a God who is still building his home. Of course, we know that because the scripture says we all as lively stones are being built up for a habitation of God through the spirit. What God is building on the face of the earth right now is his habitation, is that which has the capacity to assimilate into it all that God is, that in which God can fully express himself. Because in heaven now, God don't fully express himself. The Bible says he humbles himself to dwell in the very heavens because the heavens, even the heavens of the heavens, that is heaven's heavens cannot contain God. So whenever God comes into the heavens or whenever God is seen in heaven, I imagine that, that the certain applications must shut down in God. I imagine that God must diminish himself. God must, must, be, must, must be less than himself, you know, to, 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 to exist inside of his creature. But a time will come when God eventually has his home, when God will no longer need to squeeze himself, no longer need to humble himself, but God will fully express himself. And then the habitation of God will have the capacity to receive God at a time. And that's exactly what God is doing with us. He is building his habitation. So first we see that God, God, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he established his throne in the heaven. The scripture says that uh, 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 God has established his throne in the heaven or he set his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. So the, the throne was not initially in heaven. The throne is how God debuts in heaven. It's his entry point into heaven. So God enters into heaven and the whole of the heaven is his throne. The, the, his throne is not just in heaven. The whole of the heaven is his throne and the earth he has given to the sons of men. So when God enters into heaven and then makes heaven his, 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 his throne, he, he makes heaven his administrative headquarters, he immediately begins to, 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 to influence the heaven with his nature. 
So today, everybody wants to go to heaven because they feel that in heaven, there's a system that works. They feel that in heaven, uh, there's just, 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 just perfection. They feel that in heaven, uh, there's no lack, there's no sorrow, there's no, there's the, 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 the order there is perfect. There's, there's just righteousness out there and all those things. And yes, rightly so, heaven is, is the way it is, not by birth, not by, not, 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 not by creation, but by formation. When God created the heavens and the earth, they were both like virgin planets. But the presence of God in the heaven began to landscape the heaven, began to shift the shape of the heaven, began to create what you see in heaven. Everything that's in heaven right now came out of the nature of God, came out of the government of God, came out of the wisdom of God, poured out of the creativity of God. God did something to heaven that turned heaven into what it is right now. And then while we're trying to run into heaven to go and, and experience that thing that God has done to heaven, Jesus told disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6. It says, pray like this. It says, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. This is what I believe Jesus was saying. What you did to heaven, do here on earth also. What you did with heaven, can you do the same thing with the earth also? And as a matter of fact, that was what God began to do at the beginning when he put Adam in the garden. And just something in the earth that was so brilliant, that was so lovely, that God was always running into the earth because something existed here that God wanted. You know, the, 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 the chariots that took Elijah to heaven existed back in the days when God was coming to the garden. But rather than God sending the chariot to go bring Adam, you know, to heaven so they can have fellowship, God was coming to the earth because something here, you know, was, 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 was appealing to him, was pulling him. Now, we know some of these things, but I say these things not just to increase your knowledge, not just to, uh, 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 to, 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 to increase your revelation, but to release grace, to, 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 to see if the Holy Ghost will open our eyes again, to see what reality is, what it is God really wants. What does he really want? He, there was something on the earth at the time that God wanted, that God was always coming here to. I mean, whenever in the cool of the evening, God would step into the earth. We don't know what cool of the evening is. Some people say it's early in the morning. Some theologians think it's, it's, it's in the evening. Whatever time it is, God was always coming here. But all since the tragedy of the fall, something shrunk out of the earth. Something shifted out of place. God was no longer coming into this place. As a matter of fact, it seems as if God stood outside the whole arrangement altogether. And for many years, people did not have an approach to God. People did not know how to link to God. People, nobody knew the path to God. Nobody could, could, could reach out. Nobody could connect God. If God, if, if, if God was to be seen at all, it's because he initiated the movement. He came to man. But thank God, uh, 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 in time, he brought the tabernacle. He gave Moses the design of the tabernacle. Now, like we know the tabernacle, uh, in the wilderness was not uh, the church that Israel attended on the Sabbath day. It's not like they went to church on, on, on Sabbath day. They gathered around, they did praise and worship and all that. That's not what Tabernacle represented. The Tabernacle was actually God's ladder into the earth. And it was man's ladder back to God. It was actually a, 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 like a spaceship. It was a spiritual technology that enabled God to touch down on the earth again. It was, of course, that vehicle was made of priesthood. So when God gave the laws of, of, and all of those things, you know, to Aaron and Moses and all of those things, we can look at them from an ecclesiastical angle and say the washings, the offerings and all of that. But what those things represent were God giving them the protocol of approaching to him, the way to come to him because man could not come. So in the tabernacle, a path, you know, was made, you know, for 
man to come to God and for God to come to man. And I think that God was excited about coming again into the realm of man. Of course, we know that all of those things were types and shadows and the fulfillment of that was in Jesus Christ. So in Jesus Christ, God enters again into the realm of man and then man has the capacity to enter again into the realm of God. What does God want with all of these things? What is, where is he driving things to in the end? This is where he's driving things to in the end. In the end, his kingdom will be here in actuality. In the end, the home of God, the tabernacle of God will be among men. This is the majestic proclamation in the book of Revelation chapter 21. A strong angel proclaimed, finally, like at last, the tabernacle of God is now with men. Because John says he saw the new heaven and the new earth, and he saw the new Jerusalem descending from God out of heaven. She saw that majestic thing that has its origin in God, breaking forth, bursting forth, coming you know, into the face of the earth. And then the angel proclaimed, finally, the tabernacle has come. That tabernacle is what we're looking for. That tabernacle is what God is looking for. When the tabernacle is built, when Zion surfaces, the Bible says, when, God, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. Now, in Revelation 22, when the Bible talks about the tabernacle being established on the face of earth, it says there that the servant of God, his servant will see him face to face. You know, and though he will not be a hidden mystery anymore, he will not be hiding behind any mysticism, God will, will be visible. That which is in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ will break forth. We will see the Father. We will see our Father. And this is the this is a this is a story of our hope. This is what we're looking for. We're looking for that blessed day when our Father will be united in us in that blessed harmony, in that divine union, when God will no longer be far away, when he will no longer be a mystery, when we would have come into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. This is our Christian hope. When we stand upon the face of earth and gaze upon him and see him, the blessed, the most blessed assurance, the most blessed. Uh, uh, a benevolent act that God has ever done, or God has ever displayed, you know, to man is a capacity of man to take a dimension of God, to assimilate a dimension of God, no matter what dimension, or to have the name of God inscribed upon man. That's the greatest thing. And that's what Jesus is doing with us. He, he tells uh, one of the churches, I don't know if it's church in Laodicea, in, uh, uh, in the book of Revelation 2 and 3, it says to him that overcomes, you know, I'll write upon him my new name. I'll write upon him the name of my God. I also write upon him the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. Of course, we know that it doesn't mean he's, he's signing an autograph on us, nor is he just tattooing, you know, something on us or he's inscribing something on us. He's talking about man coming to acquire a nature of God, the name of God, because names speak about authorities, names speak about operations, names speak about, uh, 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 speak about identity. So the identity of God, the authority of God, the operations of God, the certain operation of God will be locked into every soul so that every man will be able to capture God and then exhibit God. And God can look at man for the, I mean, I mean look at man and see in man an expression of himself. I perceive that one of the reasons why God created the universe, uh, why God created the universe is that in it, he might reveal himself to himself that in looking upon it, he might see. And so when he created creation and all that, he created the, 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 the mountain ranges, the waters, the, the trees and all that. He gave it to each of these things, the testimony. He gave to each of creation a particular testimony 
So for example, the wind, you know, they, 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 they move like the Holy Ghost. And when they move like that, I can imagine the, 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 the kind of feeling within them, the, feel, the, the feeling like they, they, they have something that looks like God. Or when the rock, you know, stands there, majestic, proud, you know, impregnable, you know, and, 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 and it, 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 it reminds us of, of, of the steadfastness of God, of the immovability of God, of the might of God. I can imagine that when the mountains carry this testimony and stand there, they must feel proud to have something of God flowing through them. I can imagine that uh, when the water flows, you know, in the ocean or maybe in a river and trickles, and it, it, it feels the, the, the sense of purpose, you know, as it expresses something of the word, because like the Bible says that you might sanctify them and wash them by the washing of water by the word, you know, or sanctify them by your word, your word is truth. So the word is like water, you know, and when water flows and it's capturing the testimony of the word, which is Christ, it feels the sense of fulfillment of his purpose so god has hidden something of himself in everything and this is the benevolence that god did for creation that creation can exhibit can carry something no matter how little of god everything can carry something now the work of satan like we know is to mar the testimony is to destroy it is to chase god out of this out of this universe by by, by turning things you know right side up or by turning things inside out or by breaking the things so that when you touch things you no longer see the testimony but what god is doing with us in this last time is first of all is bringing a testimony back into our heart and like we know the meaning of of sonship is nothing more than uh, the, the one that has the capacity to to, to 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 capture god in his fullest essence so the bible says in hebrews chapter one for example that god who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past to the fathers by the prophets had in this last days spoken to us in his son he spoke in time past through prophet, but he has spoken in his son. That is more than through his son, is more than by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. So the, the, the son is the express image, or he images his person. He is the image of the invincible God, the book, the book of Colossians says. The image, he gives a form, he gives an expression, he gives visibility to God. So the genus of Jesus. The genus of Jesus is his capacity to look into that dark, mystical, indefinable re-expanse called God and absorb all of that within himself and then project that or articulate that. So he is not just a reflection of God, he is actually the outreign of God. He is the way God comes for, he is the visibility of God, he is the shine of God. Now, Jesus, like we know, is a, precar is a, is, is a vicarious man. What do I mean by vicarious man? The word vicar, of course, is, is, uh, uh, is used like in the Anglican setting to represent uh, that, to, to mean that which is a representative of. For example, they say that the Pope is, is God's vicar, meaning that he's a representative of God, meaning when he stands in a place, you see him instead of God. When, when you see him, you need not look for God. He represents him in that sense, vicar. So Jesus is a vicarious man. Jesus came not just for himself, but he came as us. A lot of things he did, he didn't just do for us, but he did as us. So when he did those things, it was us doing it. Jesus is, first of all, everything he wants us to be, and he does first everything he wants us to do. So Jesus is actually us. So when the Bible says that he is the brightness of his glory, he is the express image of his person, it's telling us that this is exactly what I want you guys to be. I want you to be the express image of his person. And so our, our task, our work as witnesses of God is to absorb all of God that he's willing to project into us and then to exhibit that, not in 2D, not in 3D, but through the life that we live. And so the meaning of a Christian is just God 
manifest in the flesh again. God manifests among men. And this is all I ever want. This is all I ever want. If the kingdom of God is not Christ, leave it in me. Galatians 2.20, that Christ leave it in me. Then I don't, I, I, I'm not sure I want anything more. That Christ is the one that is alive in me, willing my, driving my will. He is the will within my will. He is a power energizing my will. There's a reason why I desire what I desire. When I delight in God after the inward man, he's the one that walks inside of that, that delight. He's the one that is at work in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God on the inside. It's God that drives everything. It's no longer I, it's God. This is what we call, this is what the mystic, the, the, the mystics or the, 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 the desert fathers refer to as our mystic union, our divine union with him, that we have become one with him. He's a, he's a, he's a branch, he's a vine and we are the branches. It flows right out of us. It flows out. I believe, brothers and sisters, that this is the big picture. This is a big picture. So in the end, if I cannot assimilate all of God, and if it cannot live in me and flow through me and walk right out of me, then every other thing I do by way of uh, building a good school, being a good chief judge, judging cases right, and uh, functioning in the entertainment industry, and doing all of those other things are just outward shows of religiosity. The kingdom of God has to come in first. The kingdom of God has to appear in a man's soul. The kingdom of God needs to take over the man on the inside. And then out of the inside, we can begin to shape the world externally by the outflow of, th of that which is within us. Um, Mark, I don't know how much time I got. I've just been ranting. I hope this is making sense. Uh, can I get a sense of feedback at this point? Okay, so we, uh, NS, that was good. Um, we we have a balance of an about an hour to go. So, okay. um, this this your this your meeting, and over to you. You can go ahead and moderate this. Friends, um, um, let's speak to this. Um, this is vast. This is deep. This is very rich. Um, this speaks to the entirety of everything because the very essence of our existence borders on um, these realities that our dear brother is speaking to. Um, um, let me just, um, I, I posted something today. I said the ultimate value of everything is not the information which we give, not the yeah. soundness of our doctrine, not the amount of work that we do, not the measure of truth that we possess, but just the fact that just just that little fact that we know the Lord in a deep and mighty way, we know the Lord in a deep and mighty way, um, yeah. that He will feel everything. He will feel everything. That He will possess everything. Genuine service. I mean, um, the all governing end of God's dealings in our lives. God's dealings in our lives um, uh, is is that we know Him. His son is that that is above everything um, that fills everything. Bible speaks of Christ. Um, we can talk about his his um, altruistic nature, his comprehensive nature. He he fills everything left right. He is before everything. And and if um, you, you you said something honest um, towards the end that um, set me thinking, if I am a good judge. And I can adjudicate on matters and be good and be successful. But these things never point anybody to Christ. 
never point mm. anything to that very um, essence of who God is revealed in divine representation of the Son, then yeah. I totally, I totally would have just done good. And Bible speaks of good that is bent, that is lost, that that amounts to absolutely nothing, earthly good. And um, I remember some time ago there was a prophecy here in Ghana um, by one of the prophets in the public domain about. Um, a celebrity, and I if, if you don't know why we call some people celebrity anyway, because all of us are celebrities. I mean, all of us are stars. And so, um, to, to the extent that uh, there was going to be an experience of death, and this person, instead of turning his face towards God and getting a reflection of God in herself, she went doing one song. She's a secular person, a secular musician so she did one song that is more like christian and then she went to the orphanage giving arms and all god is the only final judge but all of these things will not amount to the true representation of whatever he wants in us he wants us he wants our life he wants to he wants to live in us he wants to find an expression in the earth he wants a house that has been god's ultimate um, um big problem all across um the existence of man the accommodation problem is only resolved when there are people who really carry that representation of who christ is so i am i am challenged i i want to look back again into my life I want to question the areas of my life that are not totally subjected to. I, I, I want to look at my trade. I want to look at my activities. I want to look at my career. Uh, how, is, how is Christ really expressing himself through um, all of this? Because um, at the very onset of his kingdom and his government, it shall be expansive. It shall continue to increase. And I must be in that place to really give myself to that expression of increase. So... Uh, please, let's speak to these things. We have a balance of about uh, um, 55 minutes to, to hit, to, to, to finish this. And um, um, over to you folks. Uh, Ernest, over to you. That's a good one. Um, oh, yeah, good. Um, I, I, don't uh, know why, I don't know why I said the things that I said anyway. Um, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that is beautiful witness. That is beautiful witness uh, because um, it tells me uh, that we're, we're thinking alike and uh, the Lord is working in our, in our, in our hearts. You know, as tearing up this, tearing up uh, the, the right kind of desires. Uh, you said something now that I just want to like chime in uh, uh, one or two thoughts. You know, into um, which is uh, the the need to look at our lives, look at the micro areas of our life to see if Christ is being domiciled there. Because ultimately, this is, in the end, it's not it's not even about God building a tabernacle for our sake about us being a tabernacle for God. It is all about God coming in. We have this perspective, this way of looking at things from the human angle and not looking from God's angle. So uh, when God wants to do things, we look at it from the angle of how it benefits us. We look at it from that point of view, you know, of man. But the scripture tells us that he has created all things and for his pleasure they are and were created. Everything exists for him. And so if the meaning does not, first of all, uh, afford to his own benefit, then we're, we're getting something wrong. That's why we created a kind of a model of Christianity that uh, has man on center stage, you know, where even though we say that uh, our God is the most high and we're his, uh, we're his children and all that, and, and his master, but we're like the masters because everything that he does benefits us in some way, you know. And so uh, 
even, even when we, we worship him, sometimes in the core of our heart, we're, we're using him as a ladder, as a stepping stone into the enjoyment of ourselves, into the pleasure that we feel. So we're not even, we, we cannot even look at how, how, how important that is. I worship him because if I worship him in a certain way, I reach, I, I, I experience some ecstasies. So that ecstasy, you know, is more important to me sometimes than him. Also, if I worship him, if I praise him, like we say, he will raise me. Or if I don't praise him, uh, I will feel guilty. And so to what period the guilt, everything still revolves around me, about me. But that disconnecting things from myself and then looking at God and saying, I exist for you. And it's all about you. And it's got to be all about you. And then when you look at God and God will say to, to you, actually, it is all about my son. Because God is always projecting the son. The, in the end, that Christ may be all. And in all, you know, will be the success story of God. That the time is coming when we will not be able to look at anything in the universe and not see in it Christ glorified or and not see in it the testimony of Jesus Christ. Like the Bible says, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, is it uh, 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 verse 9 and 10? It says, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, to gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth. Everything is going to be brought into that universe called Christ, that Christ may be all and in all, you know, or that, that God may be all and in all and expressed through his son, you know, is a whole drama. So if we get this right, if everything inside of us just wants to make room for Jesus, wants to, it's not just uh, 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 being moral, it's not, and it's not just making room for Jesus, but allowing him to be the light in us. If we understand Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, not, nevertheless I live, yet not I. It is Christ that lives in me. Now, the, the way we think sometimes, uh, when we think of Christ coming to live in us, um, maybe uh, from our Sunday school stories when, when we're little, we have this picture of our heart right here, and then Jesus coming to live in some region of the heart as a separate entity from ourselves. So we are one person and Jesus is another person and occasionally he speaks to us, he tells us do this or why don't you do this or why don't you do that? That's not a picture at all. When Christ comes into us, he comes to become the root of our life. He enters, he immerses himself into the very core of our heart. He, he, he becomes the life within our life. He becomes the, the, the engine, the, the, the driving force, you know, for example, within our will. So when I will to do right, it is not just some external force speaking to me, you know, telling me what to do. It is my will already beginning to walk in a certain way because its nature has been altered by the presence of the living light, which is Christ inside. So it's Christ coming to like get fused completely to, 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 to us so that what, whatever we do, it is him that does it. I believe that this is the true meaning of grace. When we say we do things by the grace of God, we don't do anything by our own self. Is that there's another impetus, another energy, another thing driving us within that is not what we used to be, but it's something that has come in because we're co-joined together with Christ. Okay, good. Uh, I'd like uh, someone else to uh, maybe say something at this point, uh, chime in a thought, uh, a meditation, something that uh, just got stirred in your heart while I was talking. Or why Mark was talking.
Yes, so who is who is next? Who wants to speak to this? Who or you can comment, you can put it um, 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 something in the comment box. Um, something that is um, sitting in your meditation that is um, wooing you and calling you out. It's something that um, seems to be calling for clarity. Something that seems to be honing itself deep in you. Mm. Those, those are things we want to speak to. Yes, Kelvin and Brenda. And at this point, they say the two shall be one. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. And Ernest, thank you so much, man. From the time you you started, it, um, I, you know, so many things just resonated from your um, just the vessel that you are for us uh, this night. And um, um, so much of what you said was my heart speaking. And, and what I mean by that is that being tired of religion and coming to the end of myself and uh, having so many other experiences and things like that, there's more from God to receive. And I want it, I want it, I want it. And, and so I just love what you, you shared, how you made this word so doable so proximate you know this is this is doable um um reaching the end of myself is doable moving aside and and allowing god to 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 take every space of me is doable this is attainable and so my heart is just rejoicing and 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 you know (laughs) mark uh, you know, the dew is still falling, man. So all I'm doing is just, I'm just only describing what, what I was hitting my heart uh, initially. Uh, Brenda, any comments here? My wife, Brenda. Um, thank you so much for that. I, I just wanted to say, I, it just what you were saying was just like resonating mm-hmm. so much with me. It's like, you know, with the pure hatred of religion and the darkness mm-hmm. that it's led, you know, the body of Christ into. And you know, just ready for demonstration and power, mm-hmm. you know, not yes. wisdom of, of men, but really, you know, God showing himself strong yes. on the earth, but we so desperately mm-hmm. need it, you know, we, we so mm-hmm. desperately need God, not religion, I mean, God mm-hmm. is not yes. religious, mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. is not religious, man is, yes. and He's misled so many people in the name of Jesus until it just makes me angry. And so when you said you hated religion or you didn't like religion, I'm like, yes. Thank you. Yeah, we understand the damage it's done. We understand the damage. We've been victims of it. Yes. Yes. So we want to bring an antithesis to to what religion has done. It It has caused us to be so sanctimonious and just so pious uh, yes. For the wrong things, for the wrong things, for my mm. title, for my name, not for the mm. heart of God, not for, yes. not for being yes. what he wants to be. So thank you so yes. much, uh, Ernest and Mark. Thank you so much. Wow. Thanks so much, Kevin and Brenda. That, that was profound. Uh, I could just hear your heart right, you know, through uh, what, what you're saying. I could feel, I could feel your heart. I know this is legit. I know this is genuine. And it's, it's a hard cry. And I believe it's God's cry inside of us because uh, he has sent the spirit of sonship inside of our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So a lot of things that we think it's us doing is actually him doing it. And it's just wonderful to know that, that he lives in me. 
that is, there's just something connected to me or there's someone connected to me that's my call, that's my life, that's our life. You know, that is just awesome. It's, it's awesome uh, that God, Christ lives in us is, is a wonderful truth. I just, I, 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 I can't, I, I can't um, meditate on that enough. I can't uh, rejoice in that enough that Christ actually lives in me. You know, like Paul says, you know, in uh, Acts chapter 17, in him we live and we move and we have our being referring to God. But this fact of Christ living in us, thriving in us, breathing in us, wheeling in us, driving, walking within us. Christ, like the scripture says, it is God that walks in us, both to wheel and to do. I'm focused on that walking. How does he live in us? How does he walk in us? How does he have his way in us? How does he express? Is he happy within me? Does he have the liberty within me? Is it, is it fully expressed within me? This is awesome. And this is what it means to host God, to be the home of God, and to see a heart that wants more of God. And a few, a few, a few uh, weeks ago, uh, part was even last week, my wife and I were driving in a car and talking again. And um, we began to talk about, uh, she began to talk about how uh, God is dismantling the structure of religion, how he is melting that thing, you know, by his power, he's wonderfully taking that thing away and then bringing us back into this expanse of life. Because uh, let's, let's go to the beginning. When God created man, it was clear that God's thought was never religion at all. God wanted a life, he wanted civilization. Like I, I usually like jokingly say, but actually it's based on the word. When God created Adam and put him in the garden, for six, for five days, God, 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 God finished all the creation, the stars, the, the, the moon, the waters, the, the, the vegetation, animals, like every bleeding thing. And then on the, on, the, on the final day, the sixth day, he comes and then he makes man. Now, he says, let's make man in our image and after our likeness in order that he would have dominion. Now, this is his purpose. He's putting forth the purpose of creation of man. Not somebody who will be a, a worship slave, not somebody who will be uh, 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 a, a suppliant, maybe just a, 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 a worshiper or a worker. He wanted one who would reign with him over the earth, who would have dominion, who would exercise dominion. These were the original thoughts. These were the first instincts that pushed God. These were the desires that spawned his creation of man. And so the meaning of man is to be found within those, those primal thoughts. Let us make man. Let them have dominion over everything we created. Then God created man in his image after his likeness. And after that, the Bible says, and God breathed into his breath, in, into his nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Then when I can imagine that consciousness came. Now, what is consciousness? Is that thing that, 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 can, that can tell something apart from another that can say you and I, that can say this is different than me. There's consciousness. As soon as consciousness him, the capacity to know things, to become aware, stepped into man. And man looked about, you know, and then saw himself, you know, I'm okay, I'm a kind of being, but I don't really know what I am. And then immediately God steps in and then God begins to give definition to that man. And this is what God says. The Bible says, and God blessed him. And God said to him, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion. Now he's speaking those words. He's coding the spirit of man. He's speaking into the DNA of man. He's writing the definition of man. He's writing the operation of man. He's encoding man. He doesn't say to man at all, pray, fast, attend Bible study, do worship, add some praise to it, do some evangelism. No, no religious instruction whatsoever. Now the idea is 
didn't God want man to pray? Of course, God wanted man to pray and man would pray, but prayer would not be a religious thing. Prayer would be man talking to his father or man approaching God as a judge, you know, in matters that are judicial or God, man, man you know, no, no, coming to God, you know, as daddy or coming to God, you know, it, it would be organic. It would be natural. Did God not want man to worship him? Of course, worship will happen. There's no way that you can see God and not break into a faithful worship. Anytime your eyes sight God, something bows, something breaks, something falls down. I mean, you, it is natural. It is spontaneous. It's not because somebody is playing, you know, a good bass line or somebody singing your favorite chorus, or because somebody says, you've got to praise God right now. When you see him, you cannot but praise him. And the devil knows him. If you ever see Jesus, and if you've had an encounter where you've seen Jesus, you know that he's totally irresistible. In fact, the way the Bible calls him, calls him the desire of the nation. Nobody, no human, in fact, no spirit has the capacity to see Jesus and not love. If you see Jesus, you will love him. If you see Jesus, something will break within you. And the devil knows that. And which is why he puts the veil over the Lord. He, he veils the Lord, you know, so that people will not see Jesus. You see what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. It says, if our gospel be hid or be veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whom the God of this world has blinded the mind of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of God, who is the image of the invisible God, should shine to them and then they should be saved. It says, lest if they see, they will be saved. If they see, they will go after him. If they see, they will desire him. He knows that. He knows that nobody has the power to withstand the charms of Jesus. If Jesus reveals himself, when you see the Lord, you will, you will love him. You will fall down. You will want him. And so he puts a veil so they don't see him. Knowing that his visage is so mad more than any other. You know, his countenance has been so distorted. And, and, and it is sad to say that it is the ministers of the gospel that the devil uses more to cast the veils on the mind of the people. People who have not seen him, people who do not know him, people who have not had an encounter with him, people who have not seen the testimony of Jesus and who come to, to, to represent him, you know, in a way, you know, that is pathetic. The people who are, not, who are not witnesses, who are not true witnesses of Jesus, who, who project him in a certain way. No wonder many people, like I'm told that uh, uh, Gandhi said at some point, he says, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians. Because he just saw a little bit of, of, of Jesus. He saw something about Jesus enough to make him want that man. But when he saw the Christians, they were pathetic. They didn't look anymore anything like their Jesus. So he says, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians. Because the Christians were not true witnesses. Like Jesus is a true witness of his father. He says in Revelation chapter 1, he's, he calls himself faithful and the true witness. All that will have faithful and true witnesses of Jesus. All that will have people when you who when you see them, you will see Jesus. So Jesus is totally irresistible. And God knows that if you see him, you will worship. As a matter of fact, every time people have seen God, they've broken into worship. Isaiah saw the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. Immediately he says, woe am I, I am undone, and all that, because my eyes have seen the King of Israel. He, immediately he says a, a fresh apprehension of himself as he sees God. When uh, Job sees the Lord or after the interruption, it says now, it says, I've heard of you in the hearing of the ears, but now my eyes see you. And in fact, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I am undone. He begins to like berate himself because he saw something. When Jesus manifests himself in goodness to Peter, Peter said to him, depart from me, for I'm, on, I'm, 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 I'm unclean. And all that because he saw whenever we see the Lord, worship is spontaneous. So does God not want us to gather together? Does he not want us to, 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 to share our faith? When the joy of the Lord is within our spirit, sharing our faith will be organic. It will be natural. But when that organic thing, that spirit bubble, that inner life is not there, 
then we really don't check in. Then we cannot worship until the keyboard is playing a particular, a particular worship song. Then we cannot preach the gospel to people until we remind ourselves that uh, it, it, this will give us a crown or a star in our crown when we get to heaven. Then we cannot uh, uh, pray until we tell ourselves that uh, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. So in order to be powerful, we've got to pray. So we, we use religion to prop ourselves, but God don't want religion, he wants life. He didn't speak anything about religion to the first man, and she, she just gave him you know, life. And I believe that if we come back into the real thing, it will be life again. It will be life again. Okay, good, so I've been talking. Uh, let's see if someone else has something else you want to share with us, uh, some thoughts, some communication, please. Uh, can unmute yourself and share your thoughts. Uh, hello, so it's afternoon where I live. So my name is Amzad, oh, wow. and I am from Trinidad, Trinidad oh. and Tobago. So I just want to weigh in on a few things. So I got really excited when you started talking about John the Baptist. I pulled out my notes from my study yesterday and I was sharing with my wife. Look, he's talking about John the Baptist and I have all my notes here about John the Baptist. So one statement I would just want to pull out from my notes and just quote here. John bridged the Old Testament and the New Testament for Jesus to cross over and usher in a new covenant. Mm. So what you were talking a lot about some old things and some new things and some spaces in between. You, you made the example of the diagram and mathematics where there's that space, that overlap. And John yes. was that space where that overlap was because he That's bridged right. the old and the new so Jesus could cross over and enact a new covenant. Mm -hmm. Now, you said a lot of great things there. You talked about what's happening in Afghanistan and all of that. Even today, I saw on my Facebook, somebody post up something about they were trying to infiltrate the Christian church and all that. And I'm saying, all you got to do is stand up and demonstrate the true Christ. Now, if you demonstrate the true Christ, then you have no worry about these things. These things come to us like a distraction to get us into a conversation with them. We don't want to get into a conversation. We want to get into a demonstration. This is what Christ did. He never got into a conversation so much with the scribes and the Pharisees. When they came to interact with him, he came into a demonstration. So you're talking about the demonstration now. And how does this life of Christ demonstrate itself in us, how, how am I living this full life of Christ? Well, we, you use the example of Adam. Let's go back to Adam. How did God demonstrate the full life in Adam? Well, what is God? What did God do? God creates. How does God create? God speaks. What did God make Adam do? Name the animals. So what do we do? We name things. So I don't name Afghanistan, a country of war where the Taliban is taking over and there's war and there's, there's war. I name it, this is an opportunity for God to be manifested. So what we do is we demonstrate the Christ's life just like how God did it, just like how Christ did it by speaking into these situations. Even in our secular work, our secular job, because I am a teacher and a teacher, what we do is uh, you interact with people. So somehow, somewhere, God gives you an idea that will work, a key that could unlock the child's mind. And that only comes from God. And so we demonstrate the Christ life even there. 
So in all these avenues, we are demonstrating Christ. And so we maximize the life of Christ in the earth. So I'm not concerned about what people are posting who's trying to infiltrate the Christian church. I'm not too concerned about what's happening in Afghanistan. Yes, we will continue to pray for them, but I'm concerned about demonstrating the life of Christ so that we have a standard by which can be judged. This is real, that's not real. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Wow, I like that. This is real, that's not real. Awesome, amazing. Someone else went into that conversation? You know, and as um, it's so quiet, like somebody said in this Presbyterian church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in your time, but, I see you. Okay, so if um, if somebody is coming in, great. But um, just a few things encircling my mind. Yeah. Um, uh, this is this is so good. Um, I don't know why you are teaching my messages. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But the point is, the point is we need to begin to think about the unchallenged primal existence of man. Hmm. We really, really need to slow down to the speed of the very first existence. Hmm. We need to slow down. Hmm. We're on a highway to so many things. There's a need to slow, 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 slow down to that primal unchallenged existence. Because every now and then I spend the time to think about Adam. When Adam saw God, what was his first reaction? When he awoke from that realm and saw God, what was his first reaction? What were the things he processed? This guy did not need to go through class one, class two, class three, blah, 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 to gain some qualification and then he cannot fit into society. We have received a born again experience. Yeah, that thing is clustered and locked up in religion. We, we have touched God, but yet unable to express him. We, we, we seems to become a containment that locks God. And so God keeps jumping out and looking for expression. Mm. And the whole creation is speaking to it. When we look at the very existence of man, for example, the issue of blessing, you see, you see quite clear that man was blessed from the beginning and man needed not to chase a blessing. Mm. It, is, it is integrated into my taking off. It is, it is buried in my beginning. Mm. There is a need that we go back and continue to purge ourselves and put our finger on one thing or the other and ask for help from the Lord. Mm. So the thing is so endemic. The thing is so entrenched. I mean, we sneeze it sometimes without even knowing it. Religion. And it is all based on the rudimentary principles. What was, what was God looking like 
when Moses walked. And these guys, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, began to quote, especially the Pharisees, began to quote Moses. I mean, the whole thing got so twisted. But when you touch Moses, the thing is alive. When you touch the Pharisees, Jesus says that you are like a white sepulcher. You are like a white washed tomb right in the dead man's uh, bones. But on the outside, it's polished. The reality of the life within, that is enriched, that is deep, that must be drawn out and applied. We had a meeting, there was a meeting we had on Sunday, and there was a comment that came out of that meeting, and it keeps reminding me of a particular thing. That there are things we look at in scripture, and we put it far off to be experienced some time to come. Meanwhile, you are not growing young. You are not growing, you, you, you are not going, you are not going to age zero. You are, you are inching forward. And there are, there are realities that have been painted in scripture, Bible says that they are for our instruction. Since all scripture is good for admonition, for our instruction, so that it will guide us back into the primal unchallenged system. It's, it's, it's important that we place our finger on, on the thing and demand that this life must come, must be best through me. Those are some of the things that um, I'm, I'm processing. The, the, the existence of man, the, I, I call it the creation narrative. Hmm. When we step back into the creation narrative, something must begin to happen to us. Issues of living in the presence of God and not wearing a long face, but it is just natural. Psalm 139, the way David describes it, anytime I read it, it blows me away. But we now have to do something. Adam didn't need to sing. I mean, Adam's interaction with God. Where were the songs? The primary unchallenged existence. Look at Enoch. Bible, Bible says he walked with God and he was not. Very interesting translation. But another translation says that he walked. In fact, the, the Hebraic habit, the Hebrews have it that he walked with God consistently. He kept going to heaven and coming back to earth, walked to heaven and come down to earth. Until one day he went to heaven, God says, enough just stay here that this guy had a consistent 300 and something years walk and the thing is not flagging the thing is just there he had family he had, he had the challenges maybe he had to grow some garden in the background and all of this thing but it looks as though that when we would have touched this god this fullness it gets fizzled out when we step into the office because we have created a dichotomy in our minds or in our in our value system or religion have told us all that, that, that substructure of life, rudimentary principles of the world is saying that you cannot be it that way. You cannot leave it that way. You cannot just be it anyway. We have received a very high voltage existence working in this mortal um, reality. And there's a need that we slow down to the creation narrative. We slow down to the narrative. Those are some of the things echoing my thoughts. You, you, you know, the, 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 there's a brilliant scripture, you know, that says we ought to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. 
there's something Jesus brought here. There's something Jesus meant when Jesus was communicating with the, with the disciples. Of course, we know that Jesus taught the gospel of the kingdom. You know, today the gospel of the kingdom has been taken to a surface thing. Uh, when people talk about the kingdom, they merely talk about interactions, you know, maybe in the seven mountains or in the spares of the earth and all of those things. But Jesus taught the gospel of the kingdom and he didn't quite, he wasn't quite talking about the seven mountains, so to say, you know, um, he was talking about that divine life, that that expression of God among men. You know, uh, uh, Paul also, we know, he taught the gospel of the kingdom because the Bible tells us, you know, in the book of is it Acts 20, when he was talking to the efficient elders, you know, his last, you know, administration with them. It says, all of you among whom I have gone out all these many years, you know, teaching the gospel of the kingdom, you will see my face no more. So he actually said he, he had gone in and out among them, teaching the gospel of the kingdom. And again, you know, in Rome, after he, he, you know, he had gone over to Rome and rented an apartment, the Bible says he was there for two years, you know, uh, uh, teaching the gospel of the kingdom and Christ, no man forbidding him. So we know that, that, that Paul taught the gospel of the kingdom. But when you look at his teachings, you didn't see all of those things about maybe the seven mountains, you know, immediately. You see, first of all, the dominion of life, of the God life, you know, inside of a man. Man having the capacity to come into everything that Jesus is. Man having the capacity to express all that God is. Jesus, or God in sending Jesus, you know, uh, 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 of course we know that Jesus is a seed of God. Now the word seed, or, or the first prophecy in the Bible is in the book of Genesis, when God tells the, 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 the serpent that the seed of the woman will bruise your head. We know that that refers to Christ. Now Christ is referred to as the seed. You know, now the word seed is a word, you know, that actually also means, uh, the, uh, is, is the word sperma is the word like 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 the the, the the sperm of God so to say that thing that has the capacity you know to produce God so for example uh, I, like I said I have two two children Erita and John and uh, both of them look like me you know in a certain way or look like my wife in a certain way or look like certain members of our family because they are seed that came from us so we 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 in sending Jesus into the earth God wanted the harvest of the sun. You know, if you sow corn, you reap corn. If you sow wheat, you reap wheat. If you sow beans, you reap beans. God sowed Jesus and put him in the ground, buried him, and then brought him up again because what he wanted was something that's exactly like that. So that is our journey that we might come, you know, to, 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 to be like him. And when I, when, when I talk about being like him, we're not, we're not just in the realm of morality. Being able to uh, not sin, not smoke, not do pornography, not tell lies. Those are all part of it. They're included, but there is much more. It is the fullness of everything he is in terms of his wisdom, in terms of the capacity to understand things. It's his intellect, the powers that flow in his life, the authority that flows in his life, the operations that are in his life. We have to come, we have to grow up into him in all things. I'll tell you a little story. Um, I, I have a friend in Lagos here in Nigeria, a friend in Lagos who told, shared with me, you know, uh, some experience, you know, that he had some time and he had a, has a lot of these kind of experiences. Uh, one day, uh, while in his house, you know, uh, uh, just, uh, I don't know if he was meditating or doing something, but presently he's caught up and then he finds himself in a church in, 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 in China, in, in, actually in a cave in China. And it seems as if the people in that underground building were expecting him, they were not the least surprised. 
you know, when 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 they turned up and all that. And then he 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 sees himself here. He didn't know he would be there. He didn't know he was going to have an experience. He didn't know he was going to be transported in the spirit. And so immediately he don't know what to do. So while standing there, the Holy Ghost inspires him and says, "Now, uh, this is what you're going to teach them." And so he goes on and he's teaching and he's teaching and he's teaching. And then he told me, he said, while in the midst of his message, his eyes kept looking at a particular brother. You know, for some reason, he took note of that brother. And then he kept teaching and teaching. And then after a while, when the ministration was over, presently he's back, you know, in his room, you know, in Nigeria. And then um, a few weeks later, he was walking up the staircase and then suddenly he felt a presence, you know, in the room. And then he thought maybe there's an angel standing there because like angels, you know, coming around and all that are not uh, new things, you know, like they, they kind of tend to be frequent, you know, with him. And so he turned around to see, you know, who was there because his wife wasn't around. So he knew that you know, your son, yes. And then when he turned, it wasn't an angel. It was this brother from that Chinese church, you know, that he kept looking at the other day. And then he was turned like, whoosh. Then he goes like, uh, I know you, I remember you. You're that guy from the Chinese church, or that guy from China, you're from China. And then the man smiles and says, well, actually, yeah, yeah, that's me. Uh, that, that's where we met, but I'm actually not from China. I was in that meeting also, the same way that you were in that meeting. And then oh, they began to have co conversations and just have communion. And then he, the, the man asked him a question and said, can you guess like how old I am? And my friend said, well, um, look at judging from the way you look, I think maybe uh, like 39, 40 -ish and all that. And the man smiled. He said, no, actually, um, I'm close to 70. And then my friend was like, no, no way, like no way. Then she says to him, he says, I, I've learned how to, how to master life and to stop the aging process in my life. Not just to, to stop the aging process, but to age backwards. He says, the Lord taught me this. In fact, and the Lord taught me that everything in the redemption is available to us right now, if you can take hold of it right now. Now, I say this because I wanted to, 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 to refer to something you said about the fact that there are certain things that we put up for later on, we put up for the other side. There are certain things that belong to us right now that we think that it is only when we get to heaven we can experience those things, or it is later at the tail end you know, of the world that we can experience those things. But just like Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus, he's talking to Lazarus' sister and he says, oh, your brother will live again. And she says, oh yes, I know he will live again, you know, on resurrection day. Then he says, no, you don't get it. There's very no, no, no difference I mean, about between today and resurrection day. It's going to be another day like any other day. What's going to be different is that I will turn up on that day and I will do the work of resurrection. Now, but I'm already here today. And so why wait to resurrection? I can do today what I will do then. And so on that day, when, because he was there, he called Lazarus back to death. One who has been dead for four, for four days came back into life because he was available there. Now, Jesus is available to us right now, but we can put some things of Jesus or some things of divine life to some point in the future, some point you know, when we cross over, you know, some point when after we die and all that, but a lot of things that were actually postponed to the age to come actually belong to this age. And the Lord was actually talking to me about that at some point. He said, you're drawing the line in the wrong place. And then he showed me, he said, you know, you don't always have to be there, get to that point to experience it. Israel crossed, uh, uh, they, they left the wilderness, they crossed the Jordan and then they came to the place called Gilgal. They had not yet possessed Jericho. Jericho was the first city, you know, of the new of the new land. 
it was a, it was a city that was supposed to be a cost unto the Lord. That was God's own firstborn. That was to be given to him. So they are not yet possessed Jericho. They were here in Gilgal, but there they experienced the circumcision, which was the, the, the removal of the of the reproaches of Israel of, of Egypt and all that. There manna ceased. That means the economy of the wilderness faded, stopped, you know, in the divine estimation that era had passed. In actuality, they are not entered into the new realm. But as far as God is concerned, that era was gone. And there in that land, they ate the corn of the land. They ate the good of the land. They were not yet in the land, but they were experiencing the good of the land. Is that what the Bible says when it speaks about those who have tasted of the powers of the age to come and be made partakers of the Holy Ghost? We can experience the powers of the age to come, even right now, because actually we were not made for this world. I mean, when I say this world, I mean this age. We were made for the future age. We live in this age by the power of that one. You say, why do I say that? I, I'll show you the scripture for that. Um, Paul says, he says, um, for he, in book of Hebrews, he has not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak on the angels, but one in a certain place testified, saying, what is man that thou mindful of him? It says he has not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak, whereof we speak, whereof we speak. All of our speaking, all of our teachings, all of our preachings is to be about the world to come. When I say the world to come, that economy, that 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 perfection, that divine order, that government of God, that thing we call Zion, is to be our conversation. It is not only, it is not when 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 death has slayed us and then we've gone to heaven. That we can experience a lot of those things. As a matter of fact, um, death is not to be the gateway into the experiences in God. Uh, Jesus Christ is to be the door. When he says, I am the door by me, you may go in and out. In reality, he should be the door. At a time when God put away death and put away all of those enemies and put away the grave and all of that. So how are we going to move across realms? How are we going to move across worlds? At that time, we'll find out, we, we then know that all things are possible to him. There is a vehicle that's available to us to experience the heavens. Many of us experience the heavens, you know, severally. As, uh, uh, before Bob Jones died, some of you know Bob Jones, prophet of God in the US. Uh, somebody asked him a question one time. They said, uh, 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 Brother Bob, uh, do you believe in the rapture? He said, oh, yes, I do. I, I do it like five times a day. I, I, I experience it like five times a day. Like, I, I mean, like the rapture, he says, yes, yes. I do that like five times a day. And what you meant is that vehicle by which I'm transported into the presence of God. That reality by which I experience a seamless world that's available to me right now in Christ Jesus. Because our salvation was not just the removal of sin from within our nature. There's actually also a movement from worlds. We shifted worlds. We were delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of his love. There was a movement, there was a translation we're no longer in a former place. The, 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 the laws that the, of, the, of the former economy, for example, the law of the spirit of, 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 of sin and death that operated in the old world no, no, is no longer binding over us. Here in this new economy called Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life works. That law, if the law of sin and death is a law that enforces, that, that, that enforces aging and dying and degradation and all of those things, then the law of the spirit of life in this side enforces longevity and glory and the capacity to, 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 to abound and excel and those kind of things. So if the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has exonerated me, 
has liberated me, has busted me out of, has wrenched me from the law of sin and death. I'm to be experiencing another reality. So the question is, so why are we not experiencing these realities? Simple answer is we don't believe it. We don't believe it. Nothing in God is going to be gotten outside of faith. You've got to believe it to have it. Jesus died and made the Holy Ghost available. Every day believers die and enter heaven, not having experienced the Holy Ghost once, not having spoken in tongues once. Just die so that we may be healed. People stay, believers stay die of, 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 of fever and cancer and all kinds of things, you know, and all the people still die, even though there's provision, because they, they can't see it, they can't take it. It is what you can see, you can take. If we cannot see it, we cannot have it. So he has brought light and immortality to light through the gospel. But if we cannot see it, we will not have it. But a generation will arise who will have the faith for it, who will still, who will know. Because when Jesus spoke, when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, he says, if any man believes in me, though he were dead, yet he will live. And if a man believes in me and is alive, he needs not die. He will not die. Then he asked the question, do you believe this? And then the woman said, well, I believe that you are the Christ. I mean, like she totally evades the question. The question is, do you believe? And the answer is, no, we don't believe. So we don't have faith for immortality. We don't believe it's going to happen. And even though we, 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 we have a mental accent, everything inside of us moves towards death. And so to every day we wake up, we're thinking, oh, my God. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm 40 now, I'm 50 now, uh, I don't have uh, enough, um, I've not paid off my mortgages, my children are not yet established, this and that. We're already thinking, we have an appointment with death in our mind. We're already moving towards something inside of us is already embracing it, it has the expectation, has beliefs that that's how it's going to be. So we're confessing and we're preaching that we believe in immortality and yet everything on our inside is moving towards death. But when God has taken hold of that system, that within reality, so that inside you wake up expecting to be younger. Do you wake up expecting to be younger? Do you wake up expecting to see that that wrinkle that was there has suddenly disappeared? It's no longer there. Do you have that expectation? We don't have the expectation. We, 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 we preach it, but we, we don't expect it. And all that. So this is what I mean by there's not faith enough. But as the preaching continues, because he's brought life, he has abolished death, and he has brought life and immortality to light is going to be through the gospel. As we begin to preach the gospel concerning these things, and then our lives begin to roar into righteousness, and righteousness begins to break forth on the inside of us, these realities will begin to come and faith to build in our hearts. I believe a generation is coming, you know, that will have uh, a, a whole lot of these things. In my life, I, I, I want to believe that I'm, I'm, I'm aging lesser than I should. Well, people say that, and I, 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 I confess it, I believe it, I expect it. And I'm, and I'm opening my heart to expect that at some point, the whole death shall be swallowed up in victory. And the law of the spirit of life that has freed me from love, sin, and death will actually be a reality that I will be functioning under the law of the spirit of life perpetually. It's just like the law of sin and death, the way it works. Something inside of us is dying daily. You may say, I hate death. I don't want it. And yet you're dying. And yet you're aging. And yet you're, you're, you're degrading. And yet you're falling to pieces because that law is operating over you. Okay, but once this other law is operating, what does it look like? What does it do? If this law kills, then this law must make a life. If this law degrades, then this law must appreciate. If this other law takes down, then this law must take off. That's why righteousness exalts, you know, like glory, glory increases. When Moses stayed in the presence of God and came back, something, you know, came upon him that, that prolonged his days and prolonged his life. If we stay in his presence, and was it, that's what today is all about. 
Um, it says, after three, two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he raised us up that we might live in his presence. When we begin to experience this as presence and faith begins to be built in our hearts and righteousness begins to take hold of our souls, many of these things that we put for the age to come will begin to experience in our own lives. Okay, much talking. <laughs> so can someone else say something? There's a thought in your heart, there's a meditation, you heard something, you want clarity or you don't agree with something I said just now. Uh, you can just say, okay, uh, I, I don't quite like, Think that is true that'll still be good yes uh Ernest, uh, this is kelvin again yeah i just um i'm reminded of how we are not mere mortals that's right we are not mere mortals and and my wife and i talk about this all the time if we can ever connect to the reality of who we truly are Yes. You know, and, and walk in the authority of who we truly are. We, the problems we believe we have would not exist. Mm -hmm. The limitations we, we, we feel we have would not exist because we were, we're coming from a, a, another realm, another realm. And um, I just, my heart really resonated again when you, when you reminded uh, of that because, you know, there's a, there's a hymn from uh, the days gone by that, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. We don't, we don't, you know, this needless for us to walk about as mere mortals. It's, it goes against us, but uh, thank God he's provided another way through Christ, through sight of yes. him, that we can live the resurrected life. So I thank you for this. Yes. And uh, it's good that we're able to have this for the next six days. And we see you again next week. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Robert. Thank you. Right. So good afternoon again. So yes, I just want to confirm a lot of what you're saying. I just felt like you just stepped into a whole new realm there. You spoke out of the father's heart. And, you know, we, we really do not experience some of these things because we haven't yet had a revelation or an understanding of these things. So yeah. what we have, what, once you like this kind of forum, this kind of teaching causes to think, to engage, to engage people, yes. engage their minds, engage their understandings, engage, cause them to push their faith, cause them to push, uh, you know, their belief system out of the boundaries of a religious setting. And so a revelation of God in our lives will bring this truth. A revelation of God in us will, what is actually a revelation of ourselves. You see, the revelation of God as eternal life causes us to think of eternal life. A revelation of God as healer causes us to be healed, uh, to yes. experience healing. So the revelation of God in us is a revelation of ourselves. And so to live as with the God life in us, to live as Christ lived in the earth, we got to have that revelation, that understanding. So to experience eternal life in the now, we have to have that revelation of eternal life in us now. A revelation of God now, a revelation of who he is, is really a revelation of ourselves. So we are we are understanding ourselves through an understanding of him. Amen? Yes, amen. That, that is profound, Muhammad. That is profound. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, there's a scripture that says that when we see him, then we shall be as he is, or we shall see him as he is. Um, we came out of him. We, we, when, 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 when Peter said to Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of a living God, Jesus likewise said to Peter, thou art Peter, you know, and uh, 
out of that revelation, we see ourselves. So in his light, we see light. So this is actually profound, that if we see God as the light, as the resurrection, as the life, and understand that we are his offspring, we came from him, we will be as he is, we will be what we see, we're transformed into the image that we see from glory to glory. Awesome. Thank you for that, sir. Robin, Thank I haven't you, heard Pastor. your voice. Um, okay. I would like to add something briefly. Yeah, sure. um, I particularly like the first part of you know, what you shared, and it took me back to something I'd heard Bishop Oyediko say as I was listening to a message he preached this morning. Um, still, still in line with the primal essence of man, he said that um, the purpose of a product is not determined in the marketplace. It's usually determined in the factory. Mm. And so um, over the years, man has tried to find his purpose in mm. the wrong places, as opposed mm. to just going back to God, the creator, and finding who God is in order to discover man's own essence. And, you mm. know, so this explanation um, is, for me, is good background as to the original nature of God and how I can find myself in mm. who God is. Mm. Wow. Thanks, I Profound. Profound thoughts. Robin, are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, say <laughs> something. Okay, um, well, um, the reason why I've not said anything is because um, we majorly discussed some of the things that um, you were talking about this uh, evening before this meeting, you know, and I wanted every other person to have the opportunity to talk. That's why um, I didn't say anything earlier, but um, one of the one of the things that is interesting to me, you know, mm -hmm. particularly about this discussion is uh, the fact that we are, um, 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 Mark was saying certain things earlier that he felt like he was, he was dropping on our conversation earlier you know, in the evening spoke, um, and, and then I believe that it is because um, there's something God is restoring in, in the church. Yes. The unveiling, the taking away of, of religiosity or the taking away of that veil called religion, the breaking down of, 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 or the taking away of that veil, and then the, the, the um, activating of our hearts again to feel the heartbeat of God, you know, bringing us away from that place where you know we are we are on a roller coaster of of religion and then god is bringing us back to that place where we can touch him feel his heart you know and, and then uh, 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 we breathe god we we speak god we touch god you know and, and that's the essence of 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 serving god that's the es essence of being in god you know uh more and more i'm believing god that meetings like this you know uh that is not not necessarily a gathering in church but a gathering of believers who have the 
the, the, the life of God, you know, flowing among them, you know, will, we would have more of this kind of thing, you know, among believers. As, you know, the meeting was going on, uh, you know, uh, 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 that was a major thing, you know, in my heart. The fact that we can gather around the spirit of God. We can gather around the heart of God. We're not just gathering around church meetings. We're not just gathering around uh, 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 um, you know the things that we've gathered around before but that we come tap into the life of God and then we are activated by his life again you know that is that is core and that is key you know in this season so I'm just uh, you know listening listening um, to what everybody is saying and then just enjoying the grace of God you know that is here this evening I'm glad glad to be here glad to hear what people are saying well, th thanks, Rodin. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my time. And Mark, I think uh, you should take over uh, right now. Ooh, good to hear your voice, Robin. I was thanks, actually, Mark. I was actually looking for forward to this moment. <laughs> so beautiful. Um. Sorry, let me just see if I can disconnect uh, one of my things here. Uh, it's still not possible, so let me mute this. Okay, so um, Ernest, this is just um, amazing. Friends, I, I want to say let's, let's slow down to Christ. Slow down to the speed of Christ. Slow down to the speed of God. Slow down. We seem to be on a highway, this fast lane, and Papa, where are you going? I'm going home, but you're never arriving home. Slow down to the speed of Christ. There is, an, there is a need that will begin to rediscover this whole essence of who Christ is. He is the hypostatic union, 100% God, 100% man. He came to define the first existence for us again, how life ought to be. He said to um, um, Nicodemus, he says that I've told you realities of the natural things. You do not believe them. How about the spirit? Will you embrace them? He says that the one that you see who is here is the one that is standing before God and who is here. Elijah the Tishbite will say, the, before the Lord God whom I stand. Meanwhile, he's standing in front of the king. There is an essence that we have stepped into. There is a need that we really, really, really discover that. So let's slow down to the speed of Christ. Secondly, as Ernest was speaking, um, something that has been in my thoughts jumped again. You know, We've seen the word apostle messed up, misconstrued, bastardized, beaten, and everything down to it. We've seen the word prophet is being crucified and used for anything. Prophetic soup, prophetic kitchen, prophetic everything. Those words have been ostracized, just like they did to pastor, uh, evangelist, and the rest. Now, we are seeing the word kingdom. I mean, seeing kingdom, fried rice, kingdom, everything. And it just, it just, it just grinds me on the inside. 
And I mean, kingdom this, kingdom that, kingdom this. And let's really slow down to God's conception when he thought it. What is it that existed in his mind for that word kingdom to come out? What really is it that he was after? We must begin to hear God in the very sound of his thinking it before it flows to us. We must hear God at the very gate of his thought when he thought it. So we're going to see, and uh, we're going to see the word kingdom crucified. It's going to be crucified and it's on the way already. The next one that is on the block to be crucified is the word um, um, ecclesia. It will be crucified and used for anything. But there must be a, a people in the earth that truly represent this thing differently. We must. We must. I, I just feel like throwing in these last remarks so that we begin to pay heed. We Bible says that pay heed to yourself, lest you drift. You drift in your heart, and drifting is sweet. You know, when you are driving and you are at it at 180 and it's just enjoyable, you may be drifting, you never realize it until there is an accident let's catch ourselves let's let's yield every aspect of our thinking our existence to him and say father just take this and uh, and and bring the reality in and thirdly let's stop putting far away the very existence that we are and that has been what we have been from the very beginning all of who god is and will ever be is what Christ is, and he's the horizon of God, all of whatever he will be. And that person now lives in me and wants to find expression through me. What a world is it that I have stepped into? I can be what he has been and ever is and will ever be even now as I speak. Yes. There are men and women having transactions, testimonies we cannot talk about, some of which NS was pouring out, testimonies we cannot talk about, experiences we cannot discuss. And I call it naturally supernatural. Yeah. But somebody, some prophet says that I must, I must look in a way, I must sing three songs, I must worship, and before there can be a glorious atmosphere. Let's slow down to God. He's up to something. He's placed his finger on a reality. And lastly, we've had certain discourse on this call, and NS, you've not been part of the call. But interestingly, one of the things that kept jumping at us when we talked about Ecclesia, those of us who have been on the call, was this pivotal position called Christ, the revelation of Christ. Yeah. And some way, somehow, I made a comment, we're going to return to that to do a whole discourse concerning that. I think it has just begun. It's unfolding. And in the months and the weeks and the days coming, these facets of Christ, that is, that, that, that is all of who God is and will ever be, will continue to be unveiled to us on this call in our individual spaces, individual experiences, and in our interactions. And the point of corralling is not around a church service. The point of corralling is not around a song. 
the point of quarreling is around this revelation of Christ and we must be it wherever we go. Thank you, friends. And it's been so wonderful. Um, now, these recordings are going to be sent out. Um, um, I, I, there was a number of things that I was ready to put up, but unfortunately, my computer decided to uh, not help me uh, just at the moment you want it badly. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't help. So you can find these recordings on YouTube. Just go to Mark Agbeko on YouTube. You would find, you'll find the recordings and previous ones are available there. Also on um, a number of podcast channels, on Spotify, on Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Podbeam, um, and number, a number of them, you would find the audio recordings download, downloadable uh, as well. I'm going to shoot this recording back to Ernest and uh, those, of our, those of us who um, are in the Ernest connection, you can reach out. But if um, our team can do well to pull uh, I think I have a download of, of the registration already. Um, we can put your phone numbers on the WhatsApp broadcast list and you would receive this recording as well. And so we will do that diligently so that at least everybody on the call will be able to receive uh, this recording. NS is going to be with us again. And interestingly, Kelvin, NS, have you realized that Kelvin has asked you to be on the call <laughs> next week? And uh, Kelvin has canceled all your programs. <laughs> <laughs> Kelvin did cancel all your meetings. <laughs> but, but interestingly, what it is is that Ernest will not be with us next week. Um, but Ernest will be with us on the 2nd of September um, to, to bring this spiritual best. And as the Lord is putting a demand upon his, his heart. So we are back next week on the call on Thursday. Um, look out for the registration link on Facebook and um, all the social media handles that we have, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Register, share it, invite somebody, share this recording, let it go out, let, let it bless somebody and meditate upon it. Listen to it over and over again. There are things you didn't hear, sincerely. There are things you didn't hear on this recording and you must listen again to hear it and scripture says that faith is in the hearing of the word of god but the original translation is actually like the echoing that echoing essence the hearing the hearing again the hearing again it's like the bouncing off of an, of an echo and it comes back to its source and continues to bank and reverberates in that space there must be a hearing again and a hearing again and a hearing again and again and again and then there is a blossomy faith that begins to release this thing. God bless you. And it is it is uh, a wonderful time. Kelvin, I don't know if you have any comments. Um, I'm done. Um, I'm done, Kelvin. If no, you have no, I, I'm going to be silent for the rest of the evening. I cancel people's <laughs> appointments. So I need to watch. I need to watch. I, I'm just, I just really enjoyed our brother so much. I, I really did. And it was nice for him and his wife to be on. And Mark, thank God for you, man. And um, just what God is doing on this call. It's just great to be able to share in it with you. So again, we appreciate it. Beautiful, beautiful. So it's wonderful, friends. Uh, I think I didn't read one or two comments. Please permit me. Let me just do that. I actually opened them. Uh, let me read Let me read this one. There are quite a number of them, but please permit me if I did not read yours. Um, um, I think it's Sandra. Sandra says, of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Ooh, that is real powerful. Worth meditating upon. 
sight of Christ, the sight of Jesus is liberating. Um, that's from Kelvin and Brenda. The two shall become one. So one of them actually is writing this, but it's a representation of the two. Um, Shevet and Unica, there you go again. The two shall become one. Only God can help us to break the callous and inheritance um, of religion and every man-made structure in us. I am understanding more and more why we need to pray certain prayers, such mm -hmm. as being filled with the fullness of God. I'm also reminded that loving God is the power of God to bring us into revelation of him. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will follow my word and my father will love him and we will come to make our dwelling with him. I read it deliberately in that manner so that you can, you can, you can feel an impact. We will come and make our dwelling with him. I pray that the word of God may shed light in me and cause me to see him. I am sad and happy both at the same time. What a world. Um, so thank God so much for, for this impartation, Ernest. Uh, glory, glory, Theophilus um, says. And Sandra, again, um, I've been in this place of trying to absorb the meaning of Galatians 2.20, where it says, not I live, but Christ lives in me, lives through me. If Christ lives in me, that means I am his eyes, his mouth, um, his hands, his feet. I am his body. I am his house. I am his dwelling place. In essence, the extension of God in the earth. That means life flows through me, still ruminating on this every day. The church will be church to death every, sorry, the church will church to death every move of God to death. I mean, you know that kind of thing. We receive the glory, glorious thing and we mess up um, it with every earthly thing, every earthly interpretation. And we, we just ostracize words and meanings and give it a jacket and we push it out there. God bless you, friends. This is really rich and continue to be provoked and let's live in that space God has given us. Thank you. And as I'll see you in Abuja tonight. It is naturally supernatural. <laughs> okay. Thank yes, you so much, you. friends. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye for now, so, friends. You can, you can unmute your microphone. Bye-bye. You can unmute your microphones. Uh, you turn your video on. Say hello to somebody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you.